Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Let's pray together. You can stay sitting. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And your Holy Spirit takes your word to declare it to us. We thank you that faith comes from hearing your word. And so we pray that this morning faith will rise up within us in a new way to enable us to live by faith in the way that will glorify, honor, and praise your name. So we thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your spirit to be upon us now that we will not only receive revelation of the truth, but we will have your grace and power to enable us to live according to that truth for the glory and honor of your name. Amen. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 is a well-known verse, which I expect many of you will know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust the Lord with all your heart. This morning, we're going to think for a few minutes about what it really means to trust the Lord. You can understand that there's a difference between believing in the Lord and trusting in the Lord. When you trust in the Lord, you depend upon him. So it's, it's possible for us to believe in him without depending upon him. God's purpose is that we depend upon him with all our hearts. Now, if that dependence is in our heart then we will depend upon him consistently. We will trust in him consistently. It doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter what the situation. It doesn't matter what problems arise. It doesn't matter what opposition we may encounter. It doesn't matter what other people say or do to us. Nothing shakes us from trusting in the Lord. He never changes with our feelings, with our circumstances. No matter what is happening to us, no matter what other people do to us, He is always consistently the same. He is always faithful in honoring his word and his promises. So he is utterly reliable. He's totally dependable. He will never fail us. He will never forsake us. He never fails anyone who puts his or her trust in him. And sometimes I think Christians think, well, I've been praying about something and I've been believing the Lord and it hasn't happened. But you see, it doesn't necessarily mean that we've been trusting the Lord. 
that what we're praying will surely come about. You can't pray for something with trust without it happening. Because Jesus says, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you believe. If you have that trusting, dependable faith. So this is the kind of faith that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of faith, wants to work within us. Now, the second part of that verse, and lean not on your own understanding. Let's just take away the understanding for a moment. Trust not on your own. Understanding, yes, but trust not yourself. You see, if we trust the Lord, our trust is not in ourselves. Jesus says in your flesh, in your self-life, there dwells nothing good. So when you trust in yourself, you're trusting in what? in the eyes of God, is not good. No one is good except God alone. Isn't that what Jesus said? So if you trust yourself, you're trusting in what is not good. But if you trust in the Lord, you're trusting in the one who is infinitely good. Now, Paul, in Galatians 2, verse 20, in one verse, it's quite a long verse, but he really gives his testimony. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, what's he saying? If we can sort of put it simply in a nutshell. He's saying this. Christ took me to the cross, put me to death. Now he lives in me to replace me. You see, the mistake that many Christians make is to think, well, Jesus is with me, or I even have Jesus within me, I have the life of the Spirit within me, to help me. But if my prayer is for him to help me, I'm still doing it. And I'm saying, Lord, I I, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. But helping me is not replacing me. Hello? So, if I am trusting in the Lord... It doesn't matter what he asks me to do because he will be able to do it. You see, I might not be able to do it. And sometimes, you know, I hear Christians being asked to do things and they say, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. And they're right, they can't possibly do that. But God asks us to do what only he can do. And you see, if we understood that Jesus lives in us to replace us, 
then we wouldn't say, I can't. We'd be like Paul. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. There's nothing impossible for me. Jesus says that nothing is impossible for God. People often quote that. But Jesus also said, all things are possible for those who have faith. So if our trust is in him, all things are possible. Whatever God asks us to do becomes possible. But it's only possible because he will do it. So, you see, there's nothing good about you. Sorry about that. No, I'm not all that sorry about that because it's the truth. The only goodness in your life is the goodness of Jesus in you. See? You don't have any righteousness of your own because Jesus Christ is your righteousness. You don't have any holiness of your own because according to the scripture, Jesus is your holiness. Mm-hmm. So if you try to be righteous and try to be holy, I guarantee you will fail. Because those are things you cannot do. In the Old Testament, under the law, God taught his people what was right. But why was a new covenant necessary? Why did Jesus need to come with a new testament? Because God simply telling people what to do never enabled them to do it. God knew that, but he had to prove over the hundreds of years of the history of the New Old Testament that there's nothing man can do in his own strength to please God. There's nothing you can do to please God except to trust him. That's why the scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The only thing that pleases God in your life is trusting him. Now you might say, oh, but wait a minute, God calls us to love. Yes, but he calls us to love with his love. Not with our love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And you are to love one another as I have loved you. You are to love one another with my love. In the same way that I... And the Holy Spirit, you see, has poured his love into our hearts so that we can love with his love. Now, the devil is a liar. And one of the things that Jesus says about the devil is he's the accuser of the brethren. Now, he doesn't need to accuse people out there in in the world because they're already serving him. They might not realize it, but they're, they're in his dominion, according to Scripture, and the spirit of this world is what is guiding their lives, not the Holy Spirit of God. So... There are particular things that the devil does to Christians, to those who believe. So Jesus says that he is the accuser of the brethren. 
Now, we are the brothers of Christ. We are brothers and sisters together in the family of God. His chief weapon against us is not actually temptation, but accusation. An accusation means that he constantly points the finger at you and says, you're a failure. Now, remember, he's a deceiver. And you might want to rise up and say, no, I'm not a failure. But actually, he's right. You are a failure. But it doesn't matter. Because Christ is in you. And he has always been successful. So, the devil always wants you to look at yourself and really, you are a pretty boring subject when compared with Jesus. It's much more exciting to look at Jesus than to look at yourself. But when you look at yourself, you become easily demoralized. Faith goes out the back door. And this is where you feel that you can't cope with whatever situations arise. Whereas, of course, if our trust is in the Lord, there's no situation with which he cannot cope. Now, this is where the blood of Jesus comes in. The blood of Jesus is so, so powerful that according to Scripture, there's no time for me to take you through all these Scriptures now, so you'll, you'll just have to, to believe what I say. According to Scripture, when you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you are made perfect in the sight of God. Nothing less than perfect. You are made blameless, without guilt or shame, in the sight of God. That's what it means to be forgiven and to be cleansed. Now, <clears throat> let's take that first statement. You are made perfect. You know enough about yourself to know that you do not live in perfection. And you probably know the scripture in 1 John that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But actually the scripture says, aim for perfection. Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, you see, Jesus wouldn't tell us to do something without making it possible for it to happen. But he knows that we can only be perfect because of the blood, and the only way in which we can really outwork his will is by dependence upon his spirit. Are you all at the same meeting that I'm at? I'm having a good time up here. Now, that means it doesn't matter what sin I've committed, the blood of Jesus is able yes. to give me forgiveness yes. and to make me totally acceptable in God's sight. You see, what does it mean to be perfect in the eyes of God? It means we're totally acceptable to Him. See, totally acceptable to Him. Other people might not accept you, but he, you're totally acceptable to him. 
Now, if you believe that, it gives you confidence. The scripture says in, in Hebrews, it gives us confidence to approach the throne of God. With great assurance of faith, true hearts and great assurance of faith. Because the blood has made us totally acceptable. Now, you see, the accuser of the brethren says, well, God won't answer your prayer because of this, and because of this, and because of this. You've done this, and you've failed to do that, and you're not doing this, and you're not doing that. And if you listen to any of that junk, you're going to have no confidence when you pray. But you might say, well, was he's accusing me of things that are true. No, he's, he's accusing you of what would be true if it wasn't for the blood. But you see, those things aren't true because of the blood. And your answer to Satan is, devil, Jesus has forgiven me, but he hasn't forgiven you, so goodbye. The only reason why the devil wants to put people in bondage is because he's in bondage himself. He says, come and join me in prison. But it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So as we trust in the Lord, we're going to live and walk in freedom. Amen? And what, what is the commission that God gives us as his church? to set the captives free. But you can only set captives free if you're free yourself. You can't set captives free if you're in prison yourself. So you see, the devil wants to try to get people to think, believers to think, they're still in prison. They're still in bondage. They're still not free. There's still things about them in their lives that are hindering and preventing the purpose of God. You see... Who is God going to use effectively? He can't use anybody perfect because there isn't anyone who is perfect in their own strength. So if he was waiting for you or me to be perfect, he would never be able to use you or me. But our perfection is in the blood. Our perfection is in Christ. And that covers all the failure, all the imperfection, all the sin. It doesn't excuse our sin, but it covers it all. Right. Jesus didn't die for our excuses, but he did die for our sins. And so I say, you know what, I say to people, when you're praying, never excuse yourself before God. Never try to, uh, to give God a good reason why you sinned. He didn't die for your excuses. He died to forgive you for your sin. Just admit you were wrong and you did it and you need his forgiveness and the blood cleanses you. And when the blood cleanses you, you have peace with God and you are free from the burden of guilt. If you believe the power of the blood, you see, this is the whole point, that where does trusting in the Lord begin? It begins by trusting in what he has accomplished through the blood. That's the foundation of your faith. This is why Jesus is the foundation. Are you, you, you still alive here? 
It's so quiet. Okay. Now, you are the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Together you form the body of Christ in this place. The scripture doesn't say you are like the body of Christ. He says you are the body of Christ. Now, the body, your human body, needs three things to survive. It needs blood. Why is there a sacrificial system in the Old Testament? Because blood signifies life. To sacrifice I mean, they were sacrificing animals, but the animals, w what, what they represented was, we are sacrificing our lives to you, Lord. And even in the New Testament, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Why was Abel's offering acceptable, but Cain's offering rejected? Because Abel offered a blood sacrifice. He offered life. Cain didn't. So, <clears throat> physically, you couldn't exist without blood. Cut an artery and you would bleed to death within a short period of time. You need a good heart to keep the blood pumping around your body. Mm -hmm. if, the stop, if the heart stops, the flow of blood stops. So in the body of Christ, God needs us to have good, trusting hearts so the power of the blood will keep pumping through our lives and through the corporate life of the church. You don't want to have a spiritual heart attack because the blood would stop, your spiritual blood would stop pumping through your life. Uh -huh. The second thing that is needed is breath. Now, <clears throat> you see, as with the heart constantly pumping the blood, so you constantly need to breathe. Your attitude can never be, well, I breathed yesterday, so I'll take a rest today. <laughs> because if you adopted that attitude, you would have a very long rest. <laughs> And we probably either burn you or put you in a <laughs> hole in the ground. <laughs> you have to keep breathing. Breath in Scripture signifies the Holy Spirit. The blood needs to keep pumping. The Holy Spirit needs to keep reminding us of the Word of God because He's the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit needs to keep 
being the spirit of faith and the spirit of love in our lives. He, he, he has just given us every positive. The blood has dealt with every negative, including all our sicknesses and pains and grief and sorrow. The Holy Spirit imparts to us everything that is positive. So we need the blood constantly pumping through our lives. We need the breath of the Spirit. We're breathing in the breath of the Spirit all day, every day. Some people tell me, oh, every morning I put on the armor of God. And I say to them, why did you take it off when you went to bed? <laughs> I mean, you need to keep breathing when you're asleep, don't you? You need your protection on when you're asleep spiritually. Amen? The third thing we need is sustenance. Food. The bread of life. The word of God. And to have a normal, healthy lifestyle, you need food every day. Even if you go through a period of fasting, it will be for a limited time because your body needs sustenance, needs food, it needs water. So we feed on Jesus, the living word. So what does it mean to trust the Lord? We depend upon his blood every day. We know there's no condemnation for us. If there's no condemnation for us, it's all, all the accusations of, of the devil are lies because the, the purpose of accusation is to make you feel condemned. And this is why you can tell the devil, you're condemned, I'm not condemned, you're condemned. You see, the devil is on death row. Yeah. When Jesus died on the cross, he passed sentence on the devil. The time will come for his execution when he is cast into the lake of fire. When Jesus comes again and there's a new heaven and there's a new earth. But he's on death row at present. Therefore, everything he does, he does out of prison. Mm -hmm. Spiritually speaking. So, if we trust in the Lord, we trust in the blood. We trust in the ever-present Holy Spirit who is breathing his life into our lives every day. See, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He doesn't come to visit you when you have a need. Amen? When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Hallelujah. You might not take any notice of him sometimes, but he's still there. He doesn't just come to visit you on good days. He's there constantly. So he wants us to learn to trust him constantly. Now, according to Jesus, the first ministry of the Holy Spirit is to direct our focus to Jesus. Jesus says that he is the spirit of truth, the counselor. He will take the things of mine and declare them to you. 
So in other words, you see, the Holy Spirit within you says, not you, but Christ. Don't trust in yourself, trust in him. It's not your reason or your understanding, it's his word, it's his promises. So God has actually provided the very means for you to be able to trust the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit constantly reminds us of the truth of the word, of what God has already done. And see, how will we know about the blood? How will we know about all that the blood has accomplished? Well, through the word of God. How do we know what the Spirit of God is able to do in our lives? By the word of God. It's disastrous that so many churches are moving away from the word of God into their own understanding because they're following the spirit of the world instead of the Holy Spirit. But we, we will not go that route. <laughs> we will stay absolutely resolute in withstanding the spirit of the world and we are going to be led, guided, moved, inspired, filled, in, in, enabled and equipped by the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's going to be the only spirit that's going to be operating in our lives. Praise God. So we have the blood, we have the spirit, and we have the word. So God says, trust in the blood, trust in my spirit, trust in my word. But don't trust in yourself. See, it's all a matter of where you choose to put your trust at any given time. Now, many Christians, they trust the Lord sometimes, and they trust the Lord more often. Uh, they trust themselves more often. And God takes us all through a process where we learn to trust less in ourselves and more in him. And to keep that dependence upon him yes. constant. Let me just finish with this. What I've been describing this morning is how Jesus lived when he was on earth. Now, we, we, we know Jesus is the Son of God, right? He came as the Son of God. But according to what he himself said, Jesus did not trust in himself. He trusted in the Father. He came as the Word of God, but he said, I speak no words of my own. I speak only the words my Father gives me to speak. In other words, he always trusted the Father to give him what to say. Now, you would think that as the Son of God, Jesus could decide what to say. As the Word of God who has made flesh, Jesus could decide what to say. But Jesus says, no. In my humanity, I can do nothing myself. Jesus said that twice. He said it. I can do nothing myself. Now, if Jesus in his humanity could do nothing himself, 
I think it's probably true to say that you and your humanity can do nothing yourself in order to please God and to fulfill his purpose. Because if you could do something yourself in order to please the Lord and fulfill his will, you can do better than Jesus. In which case, I'll sit down and you can come up here and take over. So Jesus did only what he saw the Father doing. See? Complete dependence on the Father. And the whole of John's Gospel has a message. You know, John's Gospel is full of all this teaching about the relationship between the Father and Jesus during his humanity, and then the relationship that Jesus is to have with disciples. And you can sum up the whole argument, if you like, of the gospel by saying, disciples are called to trust Jesus in just the same way that Jesus trusted the Father. That's the message of John's gospel. I'll say it again. We are called to trust Jesus in just the same way that in his humanity, Jesus trusted the Father. He could do nothing himself, and he said to the disciples at the Last Supper, without me, apart from me, you can do nothing. But we still try to do a lot of stuff without him. Sometimes, and I had this experience actually yesterday, sometimes God does something really significant in you when you're not even thinking about him. You're not trying to be spiritual. I mean, I've known many people who prayed and prayed and prayed to get healed, had the laying on of hands so many times they're going bald. And, <laughs> you know, they've tried everything. They've gone through everything the scripture says about healing. And then they're having a bath, and suddenly the power <laughs> of God comes upon them and they get healed. Come on. And you think, well, how do you get a sanctified healing bath? And you see, the, the point. The point is this, that they're striving and struggling to yeah. do something instead of just stopping. I'm only in your bath, you know, you go, yeah. oh, I only have showers, I don't have baths. But <laughs> people who have baths tell me that's what you could do in a bath. <laughs> I don't have time for baths. <laughs> and I've got to the ages, if you get in, it's difficult to get out. <laughs> so... Hallelujah. That time will come to all of you. <laughs> now, you see, the, the point is that nothing is accomplished by our striving and struggling, but only by trusting. Amen. Only by trusting. And this is why, you know, um, can, can I just, can, can you manage two more minutes? Because I just want to tell you how to listen to the Lord. Is that all right? Would that be worth hearing it? Okay. When, when you have 
a situation and you need God to speak, you need a word from God, you know, Christians, they, they sort of sit there and they pray, Lord, I need to hear from you. <laughs> and all kinds of thoughts come, is that the Lord, is that the devil, is that the deception, is that me, is it the Lord, is it the Holy Spirit? That's hopeless. Never try to hear the Lord like that. When you need to hear God, lay something before him. Lay the matter before him and forget about it. Just lay it before him and say, right, now, Lord, I trust you. You will speak to me. You will show me. You will enable me to make the right decision. And the Holy Spirit will probably speak to you when you're thinking about something totally different. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit will sort of cut across your thinking and you say, oh, that's the answer. And you know that was the Spirit of God because you weren't even striving or struggling or straining to hear what he's saying. I mean, you know, a nightmare, to me it's a nightmare, a group of people sitting around in a room trying to hear God to give them direction. Oh, Lord. I mean, that, that is a recipe for confusion and disaster. What, what we need to do is all be listening to the Lord, and when we come together, then we can share together what we believe the Lord is saying. And if we're really hearing the Holy Spirit, there will be a consensus. People will be hearing the same or similar things. And, you know, the, the whole thing will work together for good. So, the reason why there's no service here next week, of course, is because it's faith camp. And it's, it's not, it's not a, a time of sadness that it's the last faith camp. We need to be rejoicing that it's the last faith camp because God is going to replace it with something else. Not Faith Camp Mark II, but as a result of Faith Camp, there's going to be a great release of God's anointing and power among his people. And so many different things are going to, uh, are going to, to evolve out of Faith Camp this year. And it's going to be wonderful to see how God does that. Because he often tells us what, but he usually doesn't tell us how he will do it. Because if he told us how, then we would try to make it happen. So he says, no, just leave it to me, and I will cause it to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, but what is going to be required is that we all trust him. So we need to go into camp with this whole attitude of trust. And even if you're not going to camp, you still need to be trusting him. (laughs) Because God can work in you when you're not at camp, just as he can work in those who are at camp. I mean, we know that faith camp is always very anointed, but God's anointing is not confined only to faith camp. He is able to move in other places as well as Peterborough next week. Hallelujah. He may not work as part. No, no, So, praise the Lord. Come on, let's all stand.
Now, you see, the devil might be saying to you, well, you don't trust the Lord in the way that Pastor Colin's been talking about this morning. That's accusation. Kick the liar out. We're not listening to any accusations. You are here because you do trust the Lord. That's it. Come on. You trusted the Lord enough to get here this morning. And the Lord knew what you were going to hear when you came here this morning. Hallelujah. So thank the Lord that your trust is in Him and not yourself. It, it's, you know, there's, there's a little phrase that comes out of what Paul is saying. Not I, but Christ. Very easy to remember. Not I, but Christ. Just speak that over your life now. Not I, but Christ. I can't, but he can. When I trust in myself, he doesn't do it. But when I trust in him, he does it. Hallelujah. It's the principles of faith. So we thank you, Lord, for the spirit of faith being upon us. Thank you, Lord, that your blood washes us, purifies us, sanctifies us, makes us holy and perfect in your sight, washes away all blame, all guilt, every imperfection. It is so powerful, Lord. In your blood is our healing and our deliverance from every need, from every oppression, from every failure of the past. Thank you, Lord. It is for freedom you have set us free. Thank you, Lord, that every day we can depend upon your Spirit because your breath is in us. And thank you that according to Scripture, your breath kills what is not of you, what is, what is of the natural. Puts to death that dependence on the natural. Hallelujah. He puts to death. Let me just read you um, as we pray what the scripture says. All men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. You see, we are part of that natural creation all those things that are not of God are put to death as the Spirit of God blows upon them. Instead of, instead of saying, Oh Lord, I need to sort this out and that out, say, Lord, just let your Spirit breathe death over those things in my life that are not your will. I can't overcome these things in my own strength, but the breath of your Spirit can deal with these things. And I praise you and I bless you. Let the breath of your spirit blow through my life. Spirit, soul, and body even. Let the breath of your spirit 
cleanse my body. The blood and the spirit working together to free me from any physical impediment. We praise you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for your word, for the, for the sustenance of the bread of life, the bread that came down from heaven. Thank you that we can feed every day on that bread. Thank you that the Spirit's breathing through our lives every day. Thank you that the blood is pumping through our lives every day. Even when we don't trust in you, these things are still operating in our lives. But when we trust in you, then we overcome. When we trust in you, then we are able to fulfill everything that you ask of us. So we praise you, Lord. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Come on, let's really bless the Lord. We praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. Now, just, just before we finish, let's just pause for a moment. There's victory in that blood. There's victory over that need. So just thank the Lord. No matter what the need is, just recall the need very briefly. Don't dwell upon it and say, Lord, thank you that your blood has overcome that need. And now I call upon the breath of your spirit to blow upon that situation in my life and put it to death. Because it's just part of the, super, uh, uh, part of the natural. And your breath in me is supernatural. Amen. It overcomes the natural. And thank you, Lord, that <clears throat> through your blood and through your spirit, I will see the outworking of your word Amen. and all the promises that you've given me as a child of God. And I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.